Welcome back to another edition of the Ray Johnston Leadership Podcast. I am your host, Brad Lominick. Hopefully you're getting used to hearing my name, which you don't need to know me, but you need to know this is the Ray Johnston Leadership Podcast. And uh, thanks for joining us for another edition, being along for the journey. As you know, Ray is the senior pastor of Bayside Church and also a principal, I guess you could call him, the Grand Poobah of the Thrive Conference movement. So we appreciate uh, you being a part. And we know you're leading. We know you're hopefully leading well. We trust that you're here today to learn. And uh, this is one of those episodes that we might put on the shelf just to save it and to savor it. It's Rick Warren, the longtime pastor of Saddleback Church, author of Purpose Driven Life, what many would describe as, you know, America's pastor, uh, well-known, so many books sold, so many lives changed. Rick has impacted uh, the church the last 40 or 50 years in arguably as much or more ways than anyone else. So this was a conversation that happened uh, a few months ago, and we thought, you know what? We don't want to keep this one hidden in the archives. We don't need to keep this down in the uh, in the basement. We want to get this conversation out there in even more formats. And here you go. This is Rick Warren sitting down with Ray Johnston for a great conversation. Get your moleskin out, put on your seatbelt, buckle up, get ready to learn. Here we go. Hey, Rick, I'm going to, first of all, I want to say hi. Welcome to the conference. Hey, there buddy. are there are 95 countries on this right now. And, and so kind of, I want to ask you a global question to get this going. Um, I've heard you say many times, crisis creates opportunity. What do you think God's up to in this season? Anybody who knows church history knows and can see clearly that God's working behind the situations right now uh, in two different issues, the COVID issue and, and the racial attention issue. Both of these uh, have grabbed the attention. It's almost like God said, when as a parent, uh, you kids aren't getting along, go to your room, take a time out. And when your attitude gets better, you can come out. And God sent everybody in, their, in the world to their room. And during this time, when there's little uh, distractions and uh, there's no sports to go to and theater and all these other things, uh, we start dealing with probably what I consider to be the, the biggest sin, most common sin on the planet, which is racism. You can find it everywhere. Uh, literally, the northern Italians don't like the southern Italians. But this tribe doesn't like that tribe. It's, it is part of our sin nature. Um, people are most likely to come to Christ when they're under tension or in transition. Major change, good or bad, divorce, death, marriage, baby, or, or, or under tension or in transition, when they're uprooted, they're more likely to come to Christ. We've had more people come to Christ in the last 16 weeks than any other 16-week period in Saddleback's 40-year huh. history. Hmm. The, it, at the root of some of this is this. I mean, the Bible's pretty simple on one level. Love God, love your neighbor. For some reason, we're having a lot of trouble with the second half of that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, what does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? Well, the first thing it means is listen. Hmm. People need to realize that the most effective uh, tool for showing love is not your mouth. It's your ear. 
Yep. It, it, it is your ear. Um, I, I, I wrote a piece uh, the other day uh, talking to people. Let me just read this to you. Is that okay, Ray, for me to read something? Read whatever you want. Um, it's, I called it, yes, but what about? One of the reasons why many marriages end in disaster, so many kids are estranged from their parents, and so many citizens are fractured in angry divisions because most people have never learned how to be taught how to sit with somebody's pain without getting defensive about it. Hmm. When someone tries to express how fearful or heartbroken or angry they are about a deep, painful wound, the most unloving and unhelpful thing you can say is, yes, but what about? You invalidate people's feelings and their pain by immediately mentioning uh, uh, some other problem or pain that, that you're more concerned about. And that causes all kinds of problems. Um, could you not just sit for a minute and validate their pain? Must you immediately excuse it away or compare it to somebody else's problem? Can you not just be empathetic for a few seconds? Ask yourself, why am I so quick to change the subject when somebody expresses a hurt or a negative emotion? They're not saying their pain is the only pain. Uh, they're not saying their problem is the only problem in the world, that their injustice done to them are, doesn't mean injustice done to others doesn't matter. They just want somebody to understand and sympathize. And anytime you respond to a hurt or a fear or a pain with, yes, but what about, you communicate, somebody else's pain is more important than yours. And I can ignore your problem because other people have problems. Now, that phrase is particularly misused, Ray, um, on social media. One person will express a deep hurt, like an injustice or something, and, and, and immediately immediately 50 other people try to minimize that pain uh, by posting, but what about, what about abortion? What about this? What about that? And what about, you know, everybody talks, nobody listens. So when considering alternatives or <coughs> unintended consequences or solutions, asking the question, what about, that's a pretty good question when you're trying to consider alternatives questions. But as a response to somebody expressing grief, it sucks. Absolutely. Okay, it, it just sucks. Uh, it reveals an inability to empathize. So I say, if you want to love your neighbor as yourself, uh, why not try this? When somebody expresses a negative emotion, like we're seeing a lot today, instead of getting offended or defensive or minimizing it or changing the subject, just absorb the pain for a moment. Just absorb the pain from it. That's called love. That's called maturity. That's called being like Christ. And, and don't compare and don't equate and don't rush to a solution when somebody starts sharing some negative emotion. Just listen. That's love your neighbor as yourself. If you want to be a pro at loving, this is how you do it. Just show up and shut up when other <laughs> people are in pain. Okay. And you know what? Maybe just maybe they'll do the same for you. What I just shared could save your marriage, uh, it could save your family, and it could save our nation. Right. And Rick, what you don't know is this. I have a wife right now, kids right now, an entire staff right now, and a church right now, hoping I'm taping notes on this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh, Rick, I got another question, but here's what I want to say to everybody listening. What was just said 
I, my, everybody in this room's blowing up going, it's brilliant. Every, we will transcribe what Rick read and put it on the Thrive page. You'll have a copy of that. We will also send that section everywhere. We'll put it in my podcast. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, I was sitting next to one of our pastors, Jason Kane, on stage, and he just said, empathy creates unity. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Rick, I've preached at your church before. Um, you have. Which you is have. a ball, and um, which means you owe me one. The, <laughs> yes. And I was surprised. I literally went, this is a church packed with sh- just really sharp people. I mean, you got CEOs and plumbers. They all had one thing in common. They're just high-caliber leaders, lots of them all across the system. Right now, what advice would you give leaders today? Well, I would say be a learner. Uh, be, be a, never stop learning. How many times have you heard me say, Ray, all leaders are learners? That's right. The moment you stop learning, you stop leading. If you want to attract leaders in your church, then you have to be a learner. That's right. And if you're a learner, then you're going to be a leader. Uh, growing churches require growing pastors. The moment yep. you stop growing, your church stops growing. And and so I would say first Always be interested in learning, always growing. And you can learn from anybody if you know the right questions. The other thing I would say would be is give them something big to chew on. A a guy who's making million-dollar decisions during the week needs something more than to just pass out a bulletin. Give him a big cause. Give him, challenge him, challenge his selfishness and and challenge his, his, uh, his, uh, you know, complacency and, and, uh, if you want to get a big response, you ask for a big commitment. That's absolutely right. So the uh, another one is this, and this to me is more on my heart after my last year. Um, yeah. Leaders create legacies. And mm-hmm. one of the things I love about you, my friend, is this. You're a good dad, and I know that from what people that know you and your family have told me. Okay, mm-hmm. You have pastored Saddleback for over 40 years. You yeah. And it has been scandal-free and Unfortunately, that's rare. What are the keys to keeping, building a life where you're going, I'm going to stay married, I'm going to stay in ministry, I'm going to walk with God with integrity. What are the things you've built into your life and what have you protected yourself from? Right. Well, as you know, I I started Saddleback when I was 25 years old and I made a 40-year commitment. I said, I'll stay at least 40 years. January, I I kept that commitment and I I said, I, you know, I, I, Run, run the race. However much longer the Lord wants me to run it, I'll run. But, but the key is to focus on your own character, not to focus on your ministry. I meet too many young guys who what they want to do is, is they're, they're waiting for a significant ministry. They want us to make your ministry significant. Don't look for a significant ministry. Make it significant. Saddleback had a significant ministry when I had 25 people. Yep. Yep. And then 35 and then 45. And then you make it significant by your own character. That's right. If you want to last in ministry, you need to build your life on integrity, humility, and generosity. Integrity, humility, and generosity. Because these are the three antidotes to the three great traps of leadership. The only thing we can say about Satan, good, is that he's entirely predictable. He doesn't have any new. He doesn't have any new um, temptations. It's always been the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, or passion, possession, and position, sex, yep. salary, status. Yep. 
Yep. The temptation to have, the temptation to feel, the temptation to do. And the antidotes are integrity, humility, uh, and, and generosity. You know, Ray, about mm, probably 15 years ago, uh, I was thinking, you know, when I was first starting out in ministry, I had some older guys in the faith who blocked and tackled for me. We were doing a lot of stuff that everybody does today, but nobody was doing it 40 years ago. And it's very uh, controversial, very critical. And I had a lot of criticism, uh, in, particularly when we were first starting out, because nobody else was doing it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I had some guys go, look, it's just Rick. Uh, if it doesn't work, he'll be the first to admit it. So don't, don't give the guy some slack. Give him some chance. But these guys prayed for me. And I thought, I need to be praying for the next generation. And so I sat down probably 15 or so years ago. And I, I made wrote down a list of young, well-known guys that I thought, I need to pray for these guys. Yep. And, and you would know every name on the list. Yep. And um, I began to pray for those guys. I get that thing out every once in a while. I looked at it. The sad thing today, Ray, is half those guys are no longer in ministry. Yeah. 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 They burned out. They flamed out. They had a moral problem. Yeah. Uh, their marriage cracked up uh, on and on and on. We need guys to last in the ministry. I, I'm not honestly not interested in the big flash in the pan. Uh, these churches go zero to 5,000 in like two years. In the first place, no real church grows that fast. Yeah. Okay. That's not legitimate church growth. That's transfer growth. It's the hot act in town and all the Christians emptied from the other churches and go to that church. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's not fishing for men. That's swapping fish from aquarium to aquarium. And it's not like real churches don't grow that fast. Yeah. And, and, and what I'm interested in, I can show anybody. I can, you can too. You've done it teach anybody how to grow a church, but we cannot teach them how to do it fast. Yep. That's smart. It's taken you yep. and it's taken me our lifetime. Yep. We've given yep. our entire, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. My people would follow me anywhere because for 40 years I've been sacrificing for them. They yep. know I love them. You can fake it for a couple of years, but you can't fake love for 40. Yep. Yep. They, they figure out you either love them or you don't. Absolutely. And, and so the key is longevity consistency. When you have integrity, it actually gets better every year. Mm-hmm. When you don't have integrity, it actually gets worse every year. Yeah. And then you pretty soon have to leave. Uh, and so integrity, humility, and generosity are, 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 are the cornerstones of a lasting legacy. That's good. And Rick, um, you and I are in touch with a lot of pastors. It seems like they all have one thing in common right now. They're deeply discouraged. Okay. As our business people, as our, and, and it just seems like the whole country is mired in discouragement. Pastor, the folks that are watching this right now, what would you say to somebody right now that is deeply discouraged? Well, again, I would say that often, you know, the darkest part comes before revival. Yep. And if you know church history, you know that this could be both COVID and, and, and the racial injustice and the protest going on right now. Both of these could be precursors, could be, might be, yep. can be uh, a, a way for revival. If yep. the church will respond correctly yep. with, with humility and, and with uh, 
you know, integrity and and with sensitivity and be willing to listen and, as I said, uh, absorb the pain. I I am actually hopeful uh, that this might be uh, revival. Doesn't come out of good times. Yep. It yep. never comes out of good times. Revival yep. always comes out of bad times. Go read yep. Judges. Go read Joshua. Go, you know, revival never comes out of good times. Mm -hmm. And so if the church will be the church, the problem is we have amputated the arms and the feet of the body of Christ, and all we got is a big mouth. Yep. And most of the time we're known for what we're against. I'm tired of that. I want the church to be known for what it's for, yep. not what it's against. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Rick, I've got one last question because we've got two minutes, and I have an agenda for this question. The I spoke with you at part of your Purpose Driven Conference this year. Yep. You wrote the book. You have yep. been doing that conference. That yep. The content in that conference, ha, you have been able to teach the same stuff because it's so transforming year, year yeah. after year. Uh, in one minute, tell everybody why that is so important to you. When I started Saddleback, I asked God to give me a slogan or a theme that I could build the rest of my life on. And God gave me this line, a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will grow a great church. That's good. A great commitment to the great commandment, the great commission will grow a great church. It'll grow a great Christian. It'll grow a great company. It'll grow a great country. It'll yeah. grow a great community. In yeah. those two passages, the great commandment, great commission are five verbs. If you do those five things, God will bless you because that's what God put the church on earth for. That's what God put us on earth for. Those five things, love God with all your heart, soul and mind strength that's called worship love your neighbor as yourself that's called ministry or service go and make disciples that's evangelism teach them to do everything i've commanded you that's discipleship baptize them into the body of christ into the name of the father son and holy spirit bring them into the fellowship that's that's incorporation and fellowship we have done the same thing every year for 40 years yeah. we just do it better every year we do worship better. We do fellowship better. We do discipleship better. We do ministry better. We do missions better. And here's the thing. If I don't have a system and a structure that forces me to balance all yep. five purposes, I will overemphasize the one that I'm most passionate about. And that's what happens to most churches. They get out of balance. Absolutely. And um, what you all need to know is this. I was there last year at the Purpose Driven Conference. I did part of it, and then I sat there, and I literally went, "I had for, Rick, I had forgotten how good that material was, how foundational it was, how biblical it was. And I actually said, I texted Rick, and I said, I'm bringing my whole staff next year, which means you, are you doing this again? Well, you know what? We're going to have to do it online this year because of the COVID. And yep. so uh, we, we, we're going to have to reschedule and do just like with Thrive, do, do something like this. Awesome. Well, uh, let us know what it is because we will blow this up to at least 95 countries. So, Rick, <laughs> thank you so much. I appreciate our friendship. And you all just need to know, he's the same guy in his living room as he is on a conference. So, Rick, thanks so much for joining us today. Appreciate I, it. I just want to say that I do love you, Ray, but I love your wife more because she's sweeter. She's nice. <laughs> And Kay does too. Love you guys. All right. God bless, buddy. Have Bye -bye. a good day. Thanks. Thanks. Well, thanks again to Ray and Rick, the uh, dynamic duo, you might call them. And between those two, I mean, let's let's just stop leaders 
wherever you are and just uh, be thankful for both of their lives, their leadership, the way they've led churches, the way they've um, mentored and helped all of us become better, and the way they're continuing to finish the race well. And that's just something to be thankful for. So the virtual high five to you, Ray, and to you, Rick, for the work you have done and for allowing so many of us who are younger to stand on your shoulders and now painting that picture that we can do the same for the next generation. So uh, if you would rate, review, subscribe, do all the things you do on these podcasts, uh, share this episode with a friend, you know, text somebody, tell them to go get this episode, wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's on uh, iTunes or Spotify or any other outlets. And also you can, you can, uh, you can see this, the, uh, the, the video version of this interview on the Thrive Conference website, thriveconference.org, thriveconference.org. Go check it out. Until next time, I'm Brad Lominek. Thanks for joining us. Lead well. We want you to be a healthy leader that is uh, leading a thriving church. So we'll talk to you again on the next episode of the Ray Johnston Leadership Podcast.